All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week, we like to take a listener's question. That listener went to our website, techgumbo.net, went to the question of the week tab and sent us a question. And for that, we will send out that big, beautiful Tech Gumbo mug. This week's question In December, you talked about Retrieval Augmented Generation, or RAG. Can you explain what this is? Yes. So, in one of the uh, December episodes, wherever I was unable to attend, we had some AI experts on, and they provided a lot of great information. And one of the things that kept coming up when we were talking about the large language models was the idea of Retrieval Augmented Generation. And what RAG does is it goes out and it finds your information, not the information that it was trained on based upon what's out there on the internet. Yeah, so what you're doing is you're you're combining these two tools together. That's what the augmented is there. And so you have your own company level treasure trove of information. You have your own personal database of information that the model will treat as more valid, that it will give a higher confidence to. And so that way it'll search through those things first when it's trying to generate an output. Now, the good thing about this is because it's going to use your information first, trust your information the most, when it gives you an answer, you can have much more confidence in this information that the the model's giving out. Remember the chat GPTs and bards, they tend to hallucinate sometimes and can mostly be accurate to about 90%, somewhere 85, 90% of the time, they will be very, very accurate. But it's that other time that they drift off that you wonder, what the hell? Well, when they're using the information that's just about your company, using information from within your organization, it's building information that's much, much more confident because you've told it this is exactly about me and about my company and what we do and the services and products we offer. So if you're going to have a, a large language model chat bot on your website, unlike that Chevy dealership from a week ago where it was trying to sell a Tahoe for a buck, this is going to provide information about your organization in, in a way that you can be confident with. Yes, provide that information internally. And so one of the places we've already seen a lot of this is HR. That's a lot of times employee benefits can get complicated when you have things like annual leave or health benefits or 
all those types of questions which get very specific they get very detail heavy they can change if you have all of that as part of your database that your company-specific LLM can read through, instead of your employees having to search through pages and pages of a handbook, they can just ask it, how much PTO do I have left? And it'll be able to look through and pull out the number and just give them a number. And so this is a much simpler, much more user-friendly application. And so that way, if you have HR staff on hand, they can do tasks that are feel more important, feel more relevant than just sitting there having to answer the most basic level questions, which are important and employees do want to know, but they're not necessarily exciting to track down. So thank you to that listener for that question on retrieval augmented generation from the large language models or RAG from the LLMs, if you will. If you would like one of our mugs, please go to our website, techgumbo.net, and send us a question that you have, and we'll do some homework, and we'll come up with a pretty good answer for you. But now it's on to the big stories, and the big story for the rest of the segment's going to have a lot to do with Google. We are just going to go through a bunch of different stories. Google, they're such a large company. They do so many different things. We thought taking the time to just pick out five or six different stories really kind of help set the tone and see where they are right now. The first story is Google has decided to really, really crack down on YouTube ad blockers. We've talked about this over the past six months that if you were using an ad blocker, you were going to get one or two videos a month and then that was it. Well, now they're even going further in that they're slowing down your YouTube experience dramatically if you have a, an ad blocker in place. And this is fascinating because I haven't experienced this at all. That I never, I, I think maybe once I got the notification that I would uh, eventually have to turn off my ad blocker to keep using YouTube. But maybe it's just that I have a, a good ad blocker. Maybe I'm lucky. I, I'm not sure. But yeah, I continue to only watch YouTube videos on my desktop because otherwise it comes virtually you know, unusable it's just how bogged down with ads it is that they'll there's an ad at the front there's an ad at the middle there's an ad at the end and then th they are looking to show you just as many ads as they can choke you down with until they can find the breaking point basically and i don't want to be shown that many ads that i'm thinking about turning off the video even if i like the video but i just don't want that many ads so if you don't want what Google is calling a suboptimal viewing experience, well, then you can go out and, and do the $13.99 a month for YouTube Premium, which also gets you the YouTube Music as well. If you're a student, you can get the $7.99 a month. And then there's also a family plan for $23 a month so that everybody in the family can take advantage of your YouTube Premium. I would not pay for this. I will not pay for this. And this is, this seems like their business model is to make the ads and they've been ramping them over time over the past year or two to just make it so unusable with an ad without an ad blocker. And they see, oh, are you just so frustrated? You're about to throw your phone at the wall here. We'll give you the pay your way out of it rewarding that as a set of choices just infuriates me to no end. And so I would 
do anything in my power to not. And so that is why I have not had to make that choice yet, but I'm, and I'm, I have not had any problems. Now, YouTube is being accused of, because of their suboptimal viewing experience, if you use the Chrome browser, if you have a ad blocker at all, it's slowing down everything on your computer. And YouTube is saying, oh, no, 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 that's not us. We're not doing that. That's your ad blocker having a problem. Right. It's it's more of it's not the YouTube page that's causing it. It's YouTube is specifically throwing something at the ad blocker designed to slow the ad blocker down. So it is technically the and it's, it's a specific it's ad block itself. The, the extension ad block. YouTube is, is trying to slow that piece of software down so that you uninstall that piece of software. So that's a, maybe technically you want to say they're not lying on that one, but this is really devious behavior on their part. And again, should not be rewarded. This is absolutely the worst case. This is a large series of choices that they are making that if other people in other places see this and find them successful, expect a lot of businesses in this space to copy this exact strategy. And so it's incredibly important that people don't just sit there and turn off their ad blockers or start paying subscriptions. Otherwise, every other company who makes their living selling ads, your Facebooks, your Instagrams, anyone else will just flood you with ads until it is unusable and then force you to pay your way out. Now, Adblock Plus and Adblock both have said they're going to be releasing updates to their software, which will fix these problems. The Adblock Plus said they've already published theirs. The Adblock is coming out very soon. Maybe that's what's going on in, in that it's this internal battle inside your computer that you're just the, the ping pong ball going back and forth over the net. Either way, it's just infuriating. I mean, you're making so much money with everything else that you do. YouTube is still making money. I mean, the fact that we've talked about it before, that they're not paying for the content. All of this content is stuff people are putting up there for free. We put we put Tech Gumbo up there. We didn't charge them for it. It's just aggravating. I agree. It's strange that they are trying to push me to go outside. If you want me to go read a book, if you want me to go hang out with my friends in person, YouTube, keep doing this exact behavior. But Google is finally killing cookies. But advertisers say they're not ready. Yes, this is a fascinating thing, which we've been prepping for a little while on this show. We've been we've been talking about it. Google is calling the new technology privacy sandbox. What's going on is that they're not going to allow these advertisers to use their own cookies. They're going to have to buy the information directly from Google. If you want to be able to advertise on all these computers using who people who use Chrome, well, that's fine. You're going to have to buy the Google cookie, not your own cookies that are sitting on those computers. Yes, and this... We're about to talk about stories wherever Google is facing monopolistic lawsuits from the U.S. Department of Justice. When you think about the fact that Google and Chrome accounts for 65% of internet traffic worldwide, and that Google is going to force even more of the ad revenue business through its own processes, 
this feels very monopolistic. Now, Google's argument is that what they're doing limits the precise tracking of users in certain ways, but it limits the precise tracking of users by other people. Google's still going to be able to sell those ads about you, but it's just Google's going to be able to sell those ads about you. But Google was found to be monopolistic by a jury in back in December. Yes, and so this is one of several cases that Google is facing or was facing at the same time. This one was from the Epic Games Play Store. So this was a case that we really talked about more in earnest back in 2022 and 2021. And so, and even as far back as 2020, what happened was the makers of Fortnite, whenever they put the, the game onto Google devices, Google phones, they wanted to have a payment option directly through their store and they didn't want to route the money through Google. Because if they run the money through Google, Google takes a cut off the top. But Google said any money spent on any app that is sold on a Google device has to go through us. Epic sued court and just recently was found to be correct. So the ruling will will force Google to change its App Store rules. And this is going to have a big shift in the way that a lot of companies use the store. It's also going to affect the Apple Play Store as well, because if this is the way the courts are going to rule, it's going to hit it's going to hit Apple just the same way. It just hadn't gotten over there to Cupertino yet. We're still in Mountain View at this point. Yes, I think that's a great point. That's it's it's a duopoly. And, you know, one of the things that you'll hear from these arguments about Apple or about Google is that they'll say, oh, we can't be a monopoly. The other guy exists. But just because you're in a duopoly doesn't mean that it is a healthy consumer environment. And that's what we're really starting to see is that the U.S. government, after, you know, after a decade, after 15 years, is finally remembering that it exists. And so is trying to go after these behaviors that have really consolidated the market, that have placed all of this power in the hands of an incredibly few number of companies and have crushed the competition that we're going to make these companies less monolithic and less all-encompassing. Now, to be precise, though, in 2020, Epic Games did sue Apple as well, but the judge ruled mostly in, in the iOS App Store's favor. There's still a few changes and there's a whole lot of appeals and there's going to be a lot of appeals on this one as well. But by and large, we can expect changes coming in the way that both the, the Play Store and the App Store work. And I think that's the bigger point. Regardless of who's ultimately found liable, there are changes coming to the operations of both the Play Store and the App Store. And I think that is the most important thing is that even if Google is ultimately found to win any of its suits, it is forcing behavioral changes to large sections of the industry. And that is good for us as consumers. Now, one change that is coming to the Google Play Store is that they're going to have a lot more real money gaming apps coming. That's a very nice industry phrase for gambling. The U.S. markets with sports betting are on fire right now. All of the sports betting apps are pulling in as much money as they can possibly get their hands around and Google sees all the money coming across their platforms and say, 
where else can we get some more of that? Because Google hasn't made enough money yet. So now when you're going to have the Google sports betting app, whatever it'll be named whenever it's released, it'll be out there to compete with the the Caesars and the MGMs and the, the DraftKings and all of the other apps that you see on you know a million TV ads a day with. It's just fascinating as to how much of our lives now revolve around our smartphones, how much of everything we do has to go through that smartphone. And it's just, here's one more thing that you're going to have to go spend money with Google. And it's, it doesn't even have sports betting. Some of the things they've listed are trivia or bingo. And so you're absolutely right, though, is that it's another vector for money to flow out through your smartphone. And that it's, it was never cash. You worked your job. It went straight to your bank account digitally, and it flows straight out digitally. You never actually touched any of it. It just was zipping right on through. And that is such a fascinating change in society and how fast that's happened. Well, think about it. When was the last time you used anything with cash? There are places in New York City that are cash only, but it's it's like very specific Chinese restaurants run by immigrants, and you know ahead of time that you have to go to the ATM and grab two twenties to pay for dinner. But that's the exclusive um, examples. Yeah, I'm gonna say it was. This is the middle of, of January. It's been at least since before Christmas since I've used anything with cash. Yeah, that's those are very specific examples that I just know it off the top of my head. If I'm going there for dinner, I need to grab cash. But other than that, the last time that I paid for drinks, it, it was in card. Last time I, I did anything, it was a card. At least there's a physical card there. So you still have some sort of tactile interaction with it. The fact that this is truly just you never even have that tr- like physical experience of that money anymore it's it's all just ones and zeros it it flows in direct like you said like direct deposit into your account and automatically withdrawn out of your account and and the idea that money exists anymore is is just kind of delusional yeah we, we are abstracting away the the physical currency and i think at this point the only portion that is still out of date is the the infrastructure running all of it which runs COBOL from the 70s which we've talked about a couple of times on the show which good luck to them to fix that I'm a transportation guy that's not my circus not my monkeys but other than that so much of our financial ecosystem globally is purely digital and I, I'm sure that there's a lot of sociology done to study the impacts of this, because I remember even growing up being told, oh, just because it's digital doesn't mean it's not real. And I think that's just such a, an interesting piece of advice. I'd be curious to see how does your generation think about that versus my generation versus how will my kids think about that? I at least remember a time before everything was digital, whereas what will they think about whenever they only knew digital? How will they, how will their relationship to money change over time? Yeah, I think about my dad who always had $100 bills in his wallet. He, he had a credit card, but he hated to use it. Yes, it's going to be very interesting. What does currency look like for your kids? 
And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission. And that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast, which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.